and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanless Podcast. Uh, back to you a little bit later than we thought after that. Uh, well, the, both those uh, enthralling finals over the weekend, uh, and we are going to be diving straight into them. Um, as always, uh, Marcus Ali uh, joining me on the emotional roller coaster of these finals. Marcus, a uh, bit tired still after those two matches. It was a bit of a turbulent weekend, definitely, yeah. Um, obviously, going the distance in, in the French Open final, something that we haven't seen for quite a while, was very entertaining. But, um, yeah, it was it was quite heavy on me, I think, after Sitsipas going down and, and just seeing his reaction in that match. It really was a epic men's final, but maybe with more of a predictable conclusion. Um, so, yeah, I still am feeling the effects, but I'm also looking forward to talking about that uh, making further inroads into the grass court season later on in the episode. Yeah, so let's start with that French Open roller coaster of a final. Novak Djokovic winning his 19th Grand Slam, fighting back from uh, two sets down he wins 6-7, 2-6, 6-3, 6-2, 6-4. A really really good match, uh, clashed with the the England game but uh, with it lasting so much longer um, obviously full focus could be on it from about the the second set, I was watching both of them beforehand. Um, What what a match, Um, I, I think the main Question obviously around this match that people will ask is: Is did his level drop? Did Djokovic's level increase? I, I guess probably both. Um, but before we sort of get onto that and 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 looking at what went wrong for Tsitsipas, uh, massively impressive fortnight for Novak Djokovic, um, defeating Rafael Nadal. Uh, of course, is the big one, um, being only. Well, he, he was only the second man to do it. He's now done it twice. Um, and doing that after coming back from two sets down against Setti, being challenged against Berrettini, you know, he didn't have it easy at all. Um, and, and he certainly didn't in the final against Sitsipas. So before we get on to the Greek, um, you know, what about Djokovic? And, and I think really pleased for him, I think, to win this second round Garros title with it. Only having one title, um, if he'd beaten Nadal twice at Ron Garros and still only had one title to show for it, I think it would have been a, a very hard on, on the serve. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure what else there is to say about Novak Djokovic now. You know, 19 slams. He's probably going to go in as favourite at Wimbledon and both, and the US Open. So there's a potential that he completes an amazing sort of calendar slam. I think Serena Williams came very close to it a few years ago um, and ended up losing out maybe 2017, something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on at Wimbledon. Yeah, an amazing week. Um, even watching him in the tournament, especially when he went two sets down to Lorenzo Massetti, I was kind of thinking, like, should Djokovic at 34 be conserving energy? I, I really didn't see it coming, him, him knocking out Nadal. Um, I, I did think he was as close to unbeatable as you can get on Philippe Chatrier. But... He did him in four sets, an incredible performance, really showed what he's still got left in the tank and what amazing tennis he can still produce at his age. And he really brought that together in the final as well, I thought. Um, obviously, you posed the question, did Sitsipas level drop, Djokovic level rise? Definitely both. Um, although, 
I think it was more a rise in Djokovic's level than a, a decrease in sits of passes that led to him taking the title. Um, when this guy is firing, no one could really live with him at all. Um, one match that stands out to me is the 2019 Wimbledon final. I think Djokovic played pretty poorly against Roger Federer and still won it in, in five sets right in the, that 12-all decider. I think this guy is just just on a, another level and I fully expect him to be top of the tree when he retires in terms of all-time uh, men's Grand Slam winners. So, yeah, Novak Djokovic is probably who I see becoming the, the GOAT in terms, of, in terms of slam wins, but still a long way to go and we're going to have plenty of tennis from him to to enjoy as, as the year progresses I'm sure but yeah what an unbelievable achievement to win is just his second French Open and of course that that Nadal match will live very long in the memory yeah uh, of course you know can't can't agree more with you um that Nadal match obviously having spoken about it uh, the other day one of the most remarkable tennis matches I've ever seen. And and this final was one of the best finals I've ever seen. Let's just sort of um, dive a bit deeper into it. Um plus winning that first set in a tiebreak. He saved two set points in that first set. Um and then instantly broke Djokovic uh in I think he took a four love lead in the second set, possibly, um, and to win it six two. Um, you know, he was, he, it looked like he'd done it. Uh, Djokovic looked a little bit bewildered. Sitsipas, you know, that sort of confident stride he puts on as he walks around the court. He sort of was was walking around like he was going to be the champion and everything. And and I think there was a game in the third set for me where it really turned. I think it was 2 all, um, or yeah, 2 all, 3 2 Djokovic possibly, um, but still with serve. And it was. Uh, since passes serve and it was a very long game but there were sort of eight nine juices um the game i think went on for nearly 15 minutes and um Djokovic won this game and, and broke six passes serve that was the only break serve in that set and I, I think that was the turning point i think there's no other player in the world where who uses momentum swings as much as Djokovic. um you know so so many players you know one minute they can have momentum but it can be gone you know straight away within a couple of games um but Djokovic, no, uh, uh, and I think we, we saw that against Lorenzo Massetti. That was the biggest example, you know, got ahead in that third set and then it was just plain sailing from there. Um, and, and I think this happened in this match. That game was was a, a real battle and Tsitsipas did miss some chances in it. Um, had a couple of wild shots um, and... And I, I, I do think that's where he lost the match. Obviously, you know, he was still winning at this point. He was still two sets up. So it's not like he couldn't have come back and won it. But, but for me, looking back, that was the crucial point because you you just have that feeling with Djokovic, even if he is two sets down, you just have that feeling when he is going to come back and win something. Um, and 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 that's what he did in, in this. You know, he, he took a... He raced to a four-love lead. It was him who had the four-love lead in the fourth set. So I, I'm not sure Tsitsipas did in the second set. But um, yeah, raced to a four-game uh, four lead, sorry, in, in the fourth game. Um, and then won it. It was a tighter fifth set, but still got that break quite early. And Tsitsipas just couldn't live with him. We we found out after the match that um, Tsitsipas lost his grandmother. Uh, literally five minutes before they came out on the court. I, I'm not actually aware if uh, he was aware of the news. Uh, whilst he was playing, um, I assume not. Um, with it being about five minutes before the match, um, he said after the match that he, he lost his game and he didn't really understand why. 
Um, but I think the main thing for me with Sits the Past is uh, he's only 22. He's only our age. Um, this is his first Grand Slam final. Uh, it, it, it's it's still another step in the right direction. I think for Sits the Past, he's got over a hurdle, which he had, wasn't able to do. Uh, and it's a much, much, much better showing than we got from Daniel Medvedev in the Australian Open final. Um, you know, that one was a match where I think a lot of people were were, were hoping that Medvedev had a chance and, and it was just so one-sided. Sitsipas showed a lot more sort of bottle and, and nerve in, in that final for me. Um, so, yeah, what, what are you thinking about Sitsipas? I know... Um, Obviously, it's still an amazing week. What, what's sort of got to be his goal now? He's made that sort of Grand Slam final. Where are you looking at for Sitsipas to, to maybe have that chance now to, to go one step further? And, and, and when do you think he really should be doing it, By Well, I think, you know, if he can keep getting into that stage of slams, eventually it will come. For me, at 22, the tennis is producing four in the world now. It's a matter of when, not if, this guy wins slams. Um, he's got so much time after the likes of Djokovic and Nadal will have to have hang, hung up their rackets. Um, so I'm, I'm really not concerned about him him falling away at all. I think he's got that winner's mentality. Um, his tennis in that first two sets was, was magnificent. He, he had the ball on a string. Um, it, it really was quality. And stuff that, yeah, I, I've never seen someone produce that I... You know, it doesn't doesn't go on to win slams really. Um, I, I'm still really confident about him. It'd be interesting to see because he has had such a good clay court season. How he does transfer, obviously, he hasn't had any joy at Wimbledon really in the past, um, and then back onto the hard court swing. It'd be interesting to see. Obviously, I'm not sure what is what is best at the uh, U.S. Open is. I'd imagine a semi final at best, maybe maybe a quarter. Um, so there is kind of a long time before we get back on his favourite surface now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he can develop. I, I would like to see him really pushing. Obviously, he won the ATP World Tour Finals on a hard court, so he's he's definitely got got the game to to go really deep. Um, I I feel like he's lost this match because of the momentum swing that you, that you point at, um, and and that is just a symptom of best of five tennis. Really, I think the amount of times we see watching a match where there's a really long juice and and they manage to hold serve and it's such a big hold that they that almost shifts the momentum and then they can go and break the player in the, in the next game so it's just it's very very fine margins and like you say about the Daniil Medvedev anti climax of a performance in the Australian Open final there was none of that in this um i think you know Sitsipas can hold his head up high and even how crushed he was at the end of the match that reaction even says to me how much this guy wants it and how much he, how driven he will be to, and, and spurred on from this defeat to, to go one better in the future. Whether that will come this season, I'm not so sure. Um, I, I still think he is quite a bit better on the clay courts than than on hard and grass. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, the World Tour Finals win, but on a hard court, he hasn't really done too much since then obviously he got he got beaten in straights by Daniil Medvedev in the Australian Open semi-final this year that kind of showed where where the pecking order is on hardcore at the moment so look for development look for improvement on that side of the game in the second half of the year but you know at, at 22 he's got so much time and uh, yeah he's, he's so driven I can only see him improving in, in the next few years. Yes, his pass um, never been past the third round at the US Open, um, which surprised me a little bit. I, when you were saying that, I just 
I can remember since past having a good US Open. So um, I, I I just looked that up. Hasn't been past the third round. Um, only played it three times though. Um, he's made the fourth round at Wimbledon in 2018. Um, but just looking at his uh, Grand Slam statistics, this year is already a way better year than he's ever had. You know, a semi-final and a final. He'd never even made two semi-finals in the same year before this year. So, um, you know, massive, massive steps in, in the right direction for Sitsabas. And I think uh, when you talk about that reaction after losing, it reminded me a bit of Andy Murray when uh, Andy Murray lost uh, the Wimbledon final um and I think it was to, to Roger Federer and um his reaction was one of distraught, you know, very similar to Titspass, sort of had the towel over his head looking really upset. And that really does show you the sign of someone who really wants it, like you say. And and not that we didn't see that from Daniel Medvedev at Australia, but it didn't. I, I, I think with Medvedev at Australia, it was almost like the whole way through the match. It was almost like he just kind of accepted Djokovic was better than him and was going to beat him on that day. Um, whereas Sitspas really, really does show you as someone who's going to chase it and and, and really go for it. I just want to ask you um, one question on on the the greatest of all time, the goat race. Um, I, you alluded to it earlier. Obviously, Djokovic now just one behind uh, Nadal and Federer. They're on twenty. Djokovic on nineteen. Uh, so he's obviously got the calendar slam to go for, as you say. He's got the um, the all-time race to go for. He's also playing the Olympics. Uh, it's a goal of him to get uh, his sorry to get an Olympic gold medal. He's, he's, he hasn't had one in the singles before. Do you think? Yes or no? Just go for it. Is he going to win all four Grand Slams this year? Um, I won't include a gold medal in that because I, I, well, I mean, you can say whether you think he'll win the gold medal or not as well. But um, yeah, do do you think he's going to win all? I don't think he's going to win all Grand Slams. No, I think that you know, there's a reason why. I don't even know if that's. I doubt that's happened this century. Um, it's just yeah, it just doesn't happen. Uh, I, I think I can see him winning Wimbledon. I'd be pretty confident in in backing him to win Wimbledon. But obviously. He hasn't won any of the last two US Opens. Nadal and team taking those would have been interesting to see how he would have got on, obviously, if he didn't default at uh, last year's tournament. But I just think, you know, he, he is human at the end of the day. It may, it may not seem like it, but I, I don't think he can win all four slams. I think someone might have his number at some point. There's too many good players around. You know, he's, he's, he's been pushed to five sets twice. In uh, He's gone two sets down twice in this French Open. Um, so yeah, he's not unbeatable. He is the best player in the world, and you know, I'm, I am uh, particularly confident that he'll end up with more slams than Nadal and Federer um, at the end of his career. But no, he's not unbeatable, and a calendar slam would be an incredible achievement. Um, but I just think there, there will come a time where someone will get the better of him uh, in the slams this year. Yeah, I think with the Olympics as well, it's one that Djokovic really wants to go for as well. And you, you just can't see him as, as amazing as he is. You can't see him sustaining that level for the whole year. Um, and as you allude to, so the US Open is sort of typically the most unpredictable Grand Slam of the year with the, the older players being a little bit more tired. Um, I know obviously last year it was very different um, circumstances. Um, only two men uh, have completed uh, a calendar slam. Uh, Don Budge 
1938 and Rod Laver did it twice uh, back in the 60s. And then uh, on the winning side, uh, Maureen Connolly, Margaret Court and Steffi Graff. So, uh, you know, only five people uh, and, and two in the men's to, to do what Djokovic is going for. I think if Djokovic did achieve that this year um, and, and will remember us saying no, he can't do it um, so that when he does do it, uh, we can we can laugh back to it. Um, but, but if he does do it, I mean, that, that has to confirm that he is the, the goat, if you like, um, with, with Federer and Adele never having done this. Um, that, for me, is uh, all on the men's final. Did you have it yet? No, Marcus putting his thumbs up at me. We'll, we'll move on to the women's final uh, from Saturday. Um, Babora quite chicken. Barbara Krajcikova uh, winning in three sets, um, winning 6-1, one, 2-6, 6-4. Six, six, uh, winning on a fourth match point in that last set did look like uh, Pavlyachenkova, her opponent, um, was, was going to really, really try and come back to the end of that third set, which was the only close set of the match, uh, really. Krajcikova lost her first service game in the first set and then rattled off six games in a row uh, to win that set of 6-1. And then Pavlyuchenko completely dominated the second set. It was a bit bizarre, but quite typical of the women's uh, tennis we've seen at the French Open this tournament. Very unpredictable and very exciting. Um, Krajcikova is up to 15 in the rankings. Uh, Pavlyuchenko up to 19. Um, Krajcikova also winning the doubles title on Sunday. Um beating Iga Swiatek and Matek Sands in the final. Um, so massive achievement for her uh, to do that. Um, yeah, a, a word on that that brilliant achievement, Marcus. Uh, singles title and doubles title at the, the same Grand Slam. Yeah, incredible, really. Um, I, I don't think I, I can remember ever seeing that, apart from Feliciano Lopez at, at the last Queen's Club, which, of course, we'll get on to. Uh, <laughs> later on in, in the episode. But yeah, an amazing couple of weeks for Krajcikova. Um, Whether I see her going on to further glory, I'm not too sure. I think the draw did open itself up pretty well. Um, but credit to her for taking advantage. Um, there were some nerves at the end, as you say. Yeah, Pavlachenkova is a, is a strong competitor and a more experienced player. Um, I think I think we'd said in, in a previous episode, this was only the fifth Grand Slam that Krajcikova had played. Um, so yeah, Pavlochenkova did take her all the way to the wire and, and gave a good account of herself and breaks into the top 20 as a result. So a, a successful slam for the Russian. But yeah, Krajcikova is the champion and an excellent win, really. I, I, I didn't give her much of a chance against Maria Sakkari in the semi-final. She ended up saving a match point and digging really deep to win that one. I think it was 9-7 in the last set. So then to come through here in a deciding set as well, um, just shows to the determination and how dig she she's been able to uh, how how deep she's been able to dig over the last uh, week or so. Um, obviously, taking the scalp of uh, Coco Goff in the quarterfinal as well. It's um, been a really impressive couple of weeks. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how she gets on. Obviously, yeah, she doesn't jump out of me in, in terms of her style of play and, and the shots that she has at her disposal. That I think she could be consistently challenging for more slams. But she'll have great memories. Maybe she can come back and, and do it next year at Roland Garros. You never know. Um, up to 15 in the world is a is a really good jump. And uh, 25, she's got plenty of time for development. It was a really good match. You know, a, a ding-dong battle, 6-1, 2-6, 6-4. 
Um, so yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see how both of these players get on in the future. But yeah, incredible couple of weeks for Krajicova to win the doubles as well is is really re- truly remarkable. Yeah, and it sets up for a really exciting women's Wimbledon draw um, with all of those names, you know, in there. There's so many that win Wimbledon, obviously. Players like Asparti and Naomi Osaka haven't won Wimbledon yet. Uh, they're, of course, obviously the, the biggest names there. Uh, Serena, obviously still going for that record. You can never write her off. Certainly at Wimbledon made the, the final of the last one. Um, I'm not sure if Simone Halep is playing, actually. I know, obviously, she had to miss the French. I'm not sure if she's back for Wimbledon. Obviously, she'll be the defending champion if she does. Uh, and then Coco Goff um, to watch out for, as well as these two finalists at Roland Garros. It's really weird to think, you know, these two finalists that have just played at Roland Garros uh, are really probably not going to be considered uh, at all at Wimbledon. Um, and, and maybe we'll... We'll look forward to being proved wrong by one of these two. We can carry some momentum uh, from Roland Garros into Wimbledon. I just want to ask you, Marcus, before we move on, um, if just a, a sort of stab. Obviously, we can sort of agree on Djokovic. Who would you say is is your favourite going into the women's draw at Wimbledon? I, it's a really hard one for me. Um, obviously, we don't even know if Naomi Osaka is going to be playing with the time that she's taken out on court. So, I, I, I'm... I'm tempted to go for Serena, to be honest. Um, I, I reckon she's she's so hungry and she she does love Wimbledon. Um, but but then I Serena or Ash Barty for me, yeah, any difference? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I, I would probably say Osaka, but given the events of of the last few weeks, it you know I wouldn't expect her to be coming into Wimbledon if she does play it, um, sort of as fresh as we have seen her, like at the US Open and, and the Australian Open just gone. So I probably won't go for Osaka. I, I agree with you. I think Serena will be probably touted and, and, and really bigged up as one of the big favourites, despite uh, getting on, of course, in her, in her career. Ash Barty, another name, of course, the world number one. I think it, I think we could be in for another shock. Um, Simona Halep played some incredible tennis in 2019 when she went on to the title. If she could come back, maybe show some show some good form in the next week or two and and, uh, and get into, obviously be, be in the draw, then she's a threat as well. So it's a really interesting one. Um, I'm going to have to go for Ash Barty. I think she's been very consistent over the years, um, took a lot of time out due to COVID. Um, and maybe now she's just getting back up to speed again to what she was uh, before the enforced break last year. So I think I'll probably go for Ash Barty, but it's wide open as always. Yeah, just looking now, um, the last thing I can see, uh, about six days ago, Sky Sports reported that uh, Halep uh, was recovering from injury and was on track to make Wimbledon. So still sounds like a little bit up in the air as to whether she'll be there or not. But obviously, we really hope she could be because uh, she was phenomenal uh, at the 2019. And uh, and, and of course, we we got Iga Swiatek, who, uh, of course, has been really good on the clay. And we haven't seen her on grass yet with her being a, a new player winning the French Open in October last year. Um, you know, it could be that she does have a really good grass court game. Quite possibly not. But, um, you know, we, we really don't know. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting as always. Um Just move on now to the uh, tournaments this week uh, in uh, Queen's Club. Uh, the the usual 
tournament uh, going on a couple of weeks before Wimbledon and then also Halle in Germany, which uh, always uh, runs alongside it. And uh, actually uh, a very strong draw in, in Halle. Um, not so much in, in Queens. It's still a good draw in Queens, but uh, I, I can remember there being much better ones in the past. Uh, we'll start with Queens, though, um, with it being the, the home tournament. Uh, the top seed is Matteo Berrettini. Um, top 10 player. He's actually on court at the moment and has set up 5-4 with serving the second set against Stefano Travaglia. Um, so we're, we're not going to go too much into predictions for this as uh, we're aware that some big results could happen whilst we're talking. But the main point of this, um, Andy Murray is making a singles return. He hasn't pulled out this one injured. Facing Benoit Pair later today. So of course we're not going to rush to give predictions for that match. Um, but mainly if we're looking at Wimbledon, uh, good to see that Andy Murray is playing this tournament and not going into Wimbledon having just not played at all on the singles court because I think that would have been a bit worrying if he got drawn against, I don't know, uh, a, a seeded player. It could have been quite a hard watch, to be honest, but it's really important for him to, to get some practice on court. And, and also Benoit Pair, as I say, not going to rush to good predictions, but he's not in form at all. Uh, he hasn't been for a while. Perhaps Murray will fancy his chances today. Yeah, so it's a relief to see him in the draw, actually. I was wondering whether he would still be, maybe he'd opt to, to just play doubles again at, at uh, Wimbledon this year. Obviously, um, hasn't played in the, the Australian Open and the French Open, but the French Open at the back end of last year, he he did. And we did see that harrowing loss against Stanislas Vavrenka in, in three very comfortable sets. So the fact that he's been able to get himself out on court and has quite a nice first round draw, particularly on a grass court. I'm not sure Pears really produced anything on, on the grass in his career. Um, he's a real positive. Um, hopefully, hopefully that means we, you know, we're going to see some rolling back the years, um, you know, maybe not the title, but some flashes of, of the Andy Murray that, that we know and that we've loved in the past. I think it, it's a big thing to see Murray in the draw because I do think he is cautious and obviously with the injury and the operation being so significant, um, you can understand why. So I think it is a sign that his fitness is going quite well and that he is close to where he wants to be for Wimbledon, that he is playing in Queens this week. Um, as I say, we weren't going to spend too long on Queens, but there was one result that we really did want to pick out uh, that came from the first day yesterday. Um, you know, often at these tournaments, we get to see the younger British players uh, have wild cards into them, but we're not really used to to seeing them sort of pulling off massive wins. Like yesterday, uh, 19-year-old Jack Draper uh, defeated Yannick Sinner. Uh, I mean, top 20 player, fellow 19-year-old. He was actually my pick to win the tournament, so I've been completely done over there. Um, but I watched the first set of this. It was my... Um, uh, Hasbro's birthday yesterday, so I didn't get to, to catch much of this match. But I did see the first set, and Jack Draper, what a player. What a player. He, I'm, I'm not exactly... I do get cautious about getting excited about the young the young Brits, because we've seen it so often uh, where we get a bit excited and then, and then you know, nothing really happens so much. But he was playing some fantastic... Talent. I wouldn't have even said Sinner was... I mean, don't get me wrong, he obviously wasn't at his best. But um, Sinner, to me, didn't even look that bad. I mean, he was four love down, Draper, in that first set. Got it back to win it in a tie-break. Won the second set in a tie-break as well. Um, yeah, Marcus, did you catch any of this match? And even if you didn't, um, 
What a win for Jack Draper uh, at Queen's. Certainly didn't see this. It's a hugely exciting win. Like you say, we have to try not to get carried away. I did see the end of it. He was a breakdown in the second set as well. So I think that speaks a lot to the mentality he's got already. At just uh, just 19, I think he is. Um, the last time I'd seen him play before this was sadly when he had to retire after sort of passing out due to the heat in the first round of the Miami Masters um, against Mikhail Kukushkin. And despite uh, sort of losing that set and s- struggling with the heat, he did give a good account of himself but not to the point where I expected him to beat Yannick Sinner. I mean, to, to do it in uh, two tie breaks shows that he has had to really grind it out a bit. So it's not like, you know, he hasn't blown him off the court. But all the same, it's a really incredible win. I'm so excited to see it. He's going to play Alexander Bublik or Jeremy Shardy in the second round. I think both of those would be a really nice test. Bublik is a is an unorthodox player that you're not really sure what you're going to get. And it will be an interesting to see how Draper deals with that kind of test. And of course, if Shardy does get through them, You've got a kind of classic veteran player that I'm sure Draper will learn a lot from, no matter no matter the scoreline in. So it's a hugely exciting result. We, yeah, we don't want to overhype him, but we, we, let's see what kind of draw he gets at Wimbledon because he's he's proven now that he's got to be taken seriously and that he can do it on the grass. Actually, just a little uh, little anecdote before before that match started, I saw that Sinner was 1.12. So you put one pound on, get one pound 12p back to uh, to win the match um, with Bet365. And I thought that was value. I, I didn't actually get on it, but I thought that that's bigger price than I, than I thought they were going to give him. Sinner was such overwhelming favourite. Um, so this did come out of nowhere a little bit for me, but yeah, good vibes. Come on, Jack Draper. And uh, yeah, this is very, very encouraging moving into Wimbledon. Yeah, really encouraging for the Brit. Um, quite a few Brits playing. Uh, Liam Brody already gone out, unfortunately, to, to Manorino. Dan Evans plays today against Alexei Popyrin. Uh, Evans seeded sixth. Cam Norrie won yesterday against Albert Ramos. He sets up a second round match with Aslan Karatsev. Um, and, and the winner of that could face Jack Draper if he wins it. So potential quarterfinal with Norrie and Draper could be really interesting that. Um, Shapovalov also in the draw. Um, so yeah, um, we, we normally sort of go for our quarterfinal predictions as the sort of tournament started and actually quite a few of my quarterfinalists are already out. Um, I think we'll just talk about, um, who we think is just going to win it from here. I'll, I'll go for it. I did have Sinner to win. Um, obviously that's not going to happen. Berrettini, as we speak, has match point. Uh, so I kind of want to hesitantly say Berrettini to win. Um, and, and hope that he doesn't lose on me today, uh, being at the top seed. But you also got the likes of Marin Cilic in there, who won Nottingham Challenger last week. Um, really excited to see Aslan Karatsev on the grass. Um, I also had Opelka to go far, but he, he he's also gone out. So for me, the, the real standout favourite at the moment is Matteo Berrettini, who didn't win that match point. Uh, so I'm going to shut up and pass to Marcus. Yeah, I think Marin Cilic is looking in really good form on the grass. He some really comprehensive victories last week. Of course, Felix Auger-Aliassime reaching his eighth ATP Tour final and losing his 16th set in a row in ATP Tour finals, getting to that final, losing out to Marin Cilic in Stuttgart last week. So that's eight finals for Felix now, and he's lost them all in straight sets. Quite a quite a disappointing wasn't, blow for him. Wasn't that a challenger, Marcus? No, Stuttgart. Challenger tournament? No, 250. Nottingham? Was no, it? Stuttgart. It was Chun. 
Oh, is this? Oh, sorry, I got the wrong. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Ignore me. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, apologies, listeners, for that one. Uh, yeah, so Chilich, Chilich winning in Stuttgart. He's had such a tough year, um, but to see him come back into form on the grass at the age of 32 does warm the cockles of my heart a little bit. Um, of course, you mentioned Matteo Berrettini. I've actually predicted a sort of replay of when he beat Bell, um, Aslan Karatsev in the Belgrade final uh, this week. But yeah, I am worried about Chilich. He's looking really, really good. Um, and yeah, as as you mentioned, I'm really excited about uh, Karatsev. He's, he, I predict that I think he might have a nice style for grass. Obviously, he's, he's got so much power on the forehand and the backhand side and from the serve. So he really could be an interesting player to watch. And of course, he's, he's going to be playing at Eastbourne. Maybe we might get a look at him in the flesh next week. Yeah, I apologise for that mishap. It was uh, Francis Tiafo who won the Challenger tournament uh, in, in Nottingham. I think it was... Not used to having a 250 tournament on when a Grand Slam's still going on. I think that was that was what was uh, getting to me. Uh, so we'll just move to Halle quickly. The the German tournament. Roger Federer playing there, um, which might raise a few French eyebrows uh, after his withdrawal uh, from the French Open to to rest before Wimbledon. Uh, it is a tournament that Federer has won ten times though. Um, Haller, he does really enjoy it. Um, Medvedev has gone out to Jan Struff, 7-6-6-3. That's uh, the main big result so far. Medvedev was the top seed. Uh, so that leaves, well, I mean, Sitsipas was meant to be second seed. I believe Sitsipas has pulled out um, and, and there'll be a lucky loser in his place. I think it's Arthur Rindeneck. Um, yeah, Marcus is nodding. Um, so actually, that was both the, the first and second seeds gone. So you've got Alexander Zverev, of course, Roger Federer, uh, Andre Rublev in a very interesting match this afternoon against Karen Hatchinoff. Um, I've gone for Alexander Zverev to win the title. He made the final back in 2016 um, at Halle. Uh, not 2016, sorry. I think that was uh, a couple of years ago, if not sure. But he, he is a former finalist at Halle. Um, Marcus, who are you going for for your winner? I think uh, you went for Medvedev, didn't you? But obviously not not on now. I only had him to the final. Um, I actually had him to uh, lose out to Karen Hatchinov, which I know um, you went to go to the final. He's currently playing Andre Rublev, so our big shouts there could could go awry quite quickly. Um, I've got Uber Herkatch to beat Felix Auger Aliassime and Roger Federer, um, I'm pretty sure. So it could be interesting. Uber Herkatch had such an amazing hard court start to the season winning the Miami Masters I think it was winner in Delray Beach as well so maybe you can you can sort of go through that path that Medvedev's left um, it would be interesting to wait and see I think it's a good pick from you to Zverev on, on home soil I think he he'll be really looking to uh, get ready for Wimbledon now he, he, he looks like he's become more of a slam player than a tall level player, which is what he was in the last few years. Now, obviously, disappointed to go out to sit a pass in the semi semi final of the French in in five sets. So yeah, I think it could be a big week for Alexander Zverev. Would be would be good to see him go deep in Halle. Um So yeah, that's that's my conclusion. Really, I think I, I had Hatchin off to win the tournament. We'll see how that one goes. But yeah, Medvedev to the final and went out to Jean Lennard Struff. So it'll be interesting to see how Daniil can uh, can go what shape he's going to be in moving into Wimbledon considering he did a lot better in the French Open than maybe we anticipated um he'll be hoping to maybe spring similar surprises on the grass yeah did just have a little bit of trivia for you 
um, on, on Halle. But firstly, I will just mention our 2018 champion of Halle uh, was born at Chorich. Um, he's just pulled out of Wimbledon a few days ago uh, with ongoing injuries. Uh, we, we've, we've had to become used to injuries with Borna Chorich. Uh, he's only 23 or 24, I think, at the moment. Um, you know, but I remember him playing on the tour for, from an 18-year-old. It's, it's a sad, sad story what we've seen so far from Borna Chorich. So hopefully, yeah, the 2018 champ can return after Wimbledon back to sort of a, a, a good level uh, and, and start progressing again. My um, my question to you, Ivy, it's quite tricky, actually. Um, obviously, Federer has been very dominant at uh, Haller. Um, having won it uh, 10 times, as I say. Since 2011, though, um, since 2011, there have been three German winners. Um, so on the years that Roger Federer didn't win it, obviously there's that 2018 one as well, which is Borna Cioric, of course, being Croatian. Um, but since 2011, um, there, there were three German winners. Um, could you name them for me? Uh, it, it's a tricky one. Yeah, I'm struggling straight off the bat for names, to be honest. Uh, first one that pops in my, into my head, it'd be a quite a big title, so I'm surprised I don't remember him winning it. But we're going to have to go for Philip. Yeah, Colfer. one in uh, 2011, beating Philip Pechner in the final. Um, who I believe ret- yeah, retired a long time ago, I think. Um, I know he's a, he's a former world number nine. Um, which he achieved in 2011. So, I mean, quite, quite... Oh, no, that's doubles, sorry. Uh, yeah, more, more of a doubles player. Um, but, yeah, retired a while back. But, yeah, so you've got one. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to think of, like, German players in years gone by um, completely, really. Uh, yeah, Zverev is twice. Müller was from Luxembourg. Can't go there. Zverev is twice a finalist, uh, and it, and on one of those occasions, he lost to one of these Germans. It's a, it's a. It's... Oh, well, I know, I know, it wasn't his brother. Um... No, I'm sort of struggling. Tobias Kahnke definitely didn't win it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really struggling to be honest. Cole Scribe was the only name that jumped out straight away. You're going to have to you have to put me out of my misery. Well, um, if I told you that the, the 2012 champion is, is a German and it was the second time he'd won it, he won it back in 2009 as well. It might, uh, it did retire quite a long time ago. Okay, <laughs> no so... Cole Schreiber won it in 2011. Tommy Haas won it in 2012. Uh, second title there. Now, the 2016 one, I just don't remember this happening. Alexander Zverev lost. And well, that's, only, that's only five years ago. Alexander Zverev lost in the final to Florian Mayer, um, who, of course, oh, wow. I think retired two years later, uh, Mayer, in 2018. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't really remember that. That must have been a, a bit of a, a shock week for, for Florian Mayer. Um but then, I don't know, maybe back in 2016, he was sort of still hanging in and about that top sort of 40, 50, maybe. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the, the type of player that would get sort of 90% of their ranking points for the whole year in two tournaments. <laughs> yeah. And they're not really sharp at the rest. Yeah, correct that. Uh, yeah, that was it, really. Um, just a little bit of tribute there for you as we're watching, uh, just as Berrettini is, has won against Trevalier. So uh, there you go. We can end this podcast confirming our...
prediction that uh, Berrettini will go on to win after defeating his compatriot in the, the first round, Chevalier. Um, right, bit of a, a longer episode, I think, today. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, enjoy the grass court tennis. Of course, tennis back on BBC now. Uh, those of you missing Sue Barker, uh, turn BBC on uh, as soon as you can. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be one of them, Marcus. Yeah, I mean, a bit of a guilty pleasure since we didn't have it last year. I think, yeah, Andrew Castle, I can't wait to hear you. Utter nonsense. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it now. The grass court season's here, the sun's shining. Let's have a bit of tennis. Anything is an upgrade from John Inverdale. Great to see the tennis back on the grass. Uh, enjoy it and we'll see you next time.